everyone. I'm co-host Bobby Sylvester with Mike Tagliere, and this is the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. We've got guest Scott Barrett of Pro Football Focus joining us today to talk about news of the week, play Name That Player, and we'll touch on his football sabermetrics metric and finish with some hot takes. Scott, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, thanks for thanks for being on. What's, what's going on, guys? Scott, I am happy to have you on, man. Um, you know, Scott and I have been kind of side by side for a long time in the industry. We both were hired by PFF together, and then we went on. And it's just like over the last two months, Scott and I have both landed full-time jobs. Like me, I've landed with Fantasy Pros, and Scott is hired full-time with Pro Football Focus. So first off... I want to congratulate Scott for a full-time uh, yeah. job in the industry. That's uh, it's a difficult thing to land, and you know, Scott, you're you're extremely deserving, man. Like he, he, if you guys don't follow Scott on Twitter, he's always putting out some sort of chart, some sort of stat that all of us nerds that can't get enough stats, we love him. And uh, Scott is going to talk about some of that stuff on the show today. Um, so I'm I'm extremely excited to talk to Scott. He's a friend. We did a podcast actually last year together uh, for a little bit of the year. So uh, Scott and I are pretty familiar with each other, and uh, I'm pretty excited to have him on. Yeah, I, uh, I have to admit, I, I came across Scott on Twitter like two weeks ago, and I was thrilled. I was telling Scott this before the show because I felt bad about it, but like, you know, I didn't know until he got the full-time gig. He puts out awesome stuff. He's a great Twitter follow. Scott, where they can find you on Twitter? At Scott Barrett DFB. Stands for Dude Fantasy Bro. That's right. That was my original handle, and then uh, I had like 800 followers. I'm like, oh, why isn't anyone following me? And then I just changed it. And within like two months, I got like 6,000 followers. Yeah. Yeah. I, re- I remember the rise up, dude. Cause like, like I said, you and I, you and I, you and I have had a lot in common in our, in our kind of career path so far. And uh, like I said, I'm, it's just kind of culminated to where we are now. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about your actual opportunity series that you're doing for PFF. Uh, but Bobby, I want you to tell everybody about the contest we're doing before we get into some news and notes. Yeah. So we've been telling you guys about pristineauction.com and how we got this signed Le'Veon Bell jersey to give away. Time's running out to get your free entry into the sweepstakes. It's really simple. And if you don't take 20 seconds to do this, I'm just not going to believe that you like free stuff. So go to iTunes, subscribe and review our show, screenshot it, and send it to us at contest at fantasypros.com. That's it. And you can win the signed Le'Veon Bell jersey if you're the lucky guy or gal. Details of this contest can be found on our Fantasy Pros Twitter handle in the pinned tweet. And Tags, why don't you go ahead and tell us about Pristine Auction? Yeah, so it's pristineauction.com. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com. This is a site that I've used before they were a sponsor of the show. Like they have items from every single NFL team. You can go there and find helmets. You can find jerseys. You could find plaques. Anything that you want. It's like perfect for a Father's Day gift. If you're looking for something for your dad, if you know they're a fan, go there. And all we ask that you do is when you go, they ask you, how did you hear about us? Tell them that Fantasy Pros sent you. And that's the, that that way we're able to keep doing you know the things that we're doing with the Le'Veon Bell signed jersey right now. Everything on this, this site is guaranteed authentic. They only work with the most trusted sources. It's free. You never have to pay to bid on an item. Think of it like an eBay. You just, you just go on there and you bid on it. You only pay when you win. And that's it. All we ask, again, is that you let them know that we sent you when you go there. And then go leave that review. Try and win the Le'Veon Bell jersey. And then if you don't win that, go and bid on something else. I know earlier I was taking a look on there at some neat things. And I need to stop because I have purchased six helmets six autographed helmets in the past two months and my wife is kind of getting on my back saying that I need to chill out a little bit but again it's more affordable than you would think guys go check it out pristineauction.com I bet your office looks really cool now though it is I actually she's probably just jealous of your office 
<laughs> no, my wife, she she really like she's the one who actually usually buys things for me. But when I get into like a little a hobby, like I start and I don't stop until I collect everything. And my goal is to collect one from every NFL team, a helmet from every team and have it signed by either a Hall of Famer or their best player right now. And uh, one of the helmets I got for cheaper than I thought on pristineauction.com was a Sammy Watkins uh, Bills helmet. And I'm like, and now I'm looking at it and saying, I don't know if Sammy Watkins is going to be on the Bills next year. Ooh, just wait for our hot takes. Just wait for it, baby. Oh God, you better you better say that Sammy Watkins is going to be good. That's that's all I got to say, Bobby. We'll see. Well, you guys will have to wait. Mike, do you think you could make thirty-two helmets of just McCown brother teams? <laughs> <laughs> we might be able to. I mean, I can get a McCown Jets helmet because I was I'm having trouble trying to decide on who I'm going to get a Jets helmet of. So maybe Josh McCown. <laughs> Tim, will, uh, Tim Tebow will, will is the role. obvious choice. Tim Tebow. <laughs> I can oh, I could yes that that's no I mean he might break my jaw and take the helmet from me <laughs> if I buy it um but th- this show is already seemingly off the rails but we're gonna even put it further off the rails Bobby I know we're, we want to talk about the news and notes and the, the biggest news of the weekend is that Jeremy Macklin was cut by the Kansas City Chiefs Scott what is your take on this he's being recruited by the Bills right now apparently that seems like it's very very likely going to happen what does this do for Macklin's value what does this do for Tyrod Taylor's value what does it do to the Bills wide receivers in general uh as for Jeremy Macklin's value I'm I'm not really sure it's never a good thing when you're cut and he's probably going to end up somewhere where he's the third hopefully second best uh, target option on the team. Uh, If he's on the Bills, yeah, it it bumps Zay Jones down a little bit. Probably doesn't affect Sammy Watkins too much. Yeah, I I was excited about Zay for sure. Uh, As for Tyreek, I think this is awesome news. He was a guy who was kind of low on just relative to, you know, volume expectations. Uh, But, you know, prior to last season, during his time with Kansas City, Andy Reid's wide receiver one has averaged 6.9 targets per game. Tyreek only averaged 5.1 last season. We saw how productive he was and efficient he was on minimal usage. So you have to be excited about his prospects and bumping him up a little bit in your rankings. Yeah. So I don't know if you're with me, Bobby. I don't know where your takes on this. So a lot of people got excited about Tyreek Hill after this. But my thing is, like, does this really affect Tyreek Hill that no. much? Like, is he I don't a, think it does a, at all. Yeah, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a prototypical number one wide receiver. I don't think anybody's claiming for him to be that. Jeremy Macklin was playing the slot a little bit more last year. I, I want to say that like 40 percent of his snaps were out of the slot. So. I don't know if I can raise Tyreek's ceiling any more than I can. I, st- I still think that he's going to be a very volatile fantasy player sure. in, a, in a Chiefs offense that that struggles to throw the ball 500 times a year. I think he's kind of capped on where his targets can be. Uh, I saw uh, Anthony Amico um, on Twitter talking about how Cordell Patterson was even better his rookie year than Tyreek Hill, and everyone was talking about, you know, he's got no one to compete with. He's got br- a 31-year-old Brandon Marshall, and that's it. And we all know what happened to Cordell Patterson, so... I'm not that psyched about Tyreek Hill. I have him quite a bit lower than everyone else. And this news does not change anything for me. The person it does change things for, I mean, obviously Zay Jones. Look, I'm a Zay Jones owner in our our dynasty expert league that we just did. And I am so bummed right now. Like, I'm really, really hoping he doesn't sign with them, but I think he's going to. But the person this really changes me on is J.U. Chesson, um, that rookie that the Chiefs traded up for in the fourth to go get. I think he's going to be the real deal, and I think it's going to happen his rookie year. 
I don't know if it's going to happen his rookie year. As you've seen, like Chris Conley, he was someone that was really projected. He's like a, a love of those metric guys. And I'm sure Scott knows a lot more about Chris Conley's metrics than I do. But Chris Conley is someone that they've kind of like coddled along. They haven't really thrown him into the fire. We don't know if Albert Wilson is going to end up seeing more targets than Chesson, than, than Chris Conley. You know what I, I mean? I don't really know where to go with this Chiefs offense because it seems like they're very hesitant on using those rookie wide receivers, you know, throwing into the fire right away. And let's be honest, how many fantasy relevant players can a Chiefs offense give you? You know, Scott, what's, what does your math tell you? Cause I know you're doing this actual opportunity series. What does the math tell you? How many options from the Chiefs can actually be relevant? You know, like we have Travis Kelsey, we have Spencer Ware and Kareem Hunt. We have Tyreek Hill. Is, can somebody else be relevant in this offense? Uh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say any receiving options outside of Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are, are really on my radar. With Andy Reid, historically, the position you want to target is you want his starting running back. You want his RB1. Yeah, and that's where I'm at. I like. I know we could talk about Spencer Ware and Kareem Hunt a different day because I know Scott's a Kareem Hunt fan. I like Spencer <laughs> Ware. But before we start talking about the topic of our show today, which is we're going to do a hot take episode. So when getting Scott on, I'm like, let's get Scott to give some hot takes because if there's anything that Scott's good at, it's, it's giving you things that are out there that will maybe shock you and make you think <laughs> twice, you know, when, when going through these things because he often has a lot of these spreadsheets to back up the information he's giving. But before we do that, Scott, I don't know if you know about the, the game we have on this this show. It's called Name That Player. And what we do is we have a guest on. And between you and Bobby, I'm going to give you guys these little hints. They're like, you know, like one one sentence, I'm going to give you a hint. And whoever guesses the player first, you get basically a point. We do a best of three. There's going to be three players that we do. And so basically, I'm going to give you these hints. And you're going to tell me who I am as soon as you know. Are you guys ready? Yeah, I am. And I want you to know, Scott, that last time we did this, it went really well for me because it was a day after I ate artichoke heart pizza. And I just had artichoke heart pizza last night too. Somebody oh, left man. us a review. Someone left us a review Sounds saying awful. that when they heard I ate artichoke heart pizza, it gave us so much more credibility. And they're exactly <laughs> right. So hopefully I can prove it here again. Oh, I'm screwed. Does that not sound awful, Scott, by the way? I, I don't even know what artichoke hearts are, so. It tastes yeah. like meat. It's like the only vegetable that tastes like meat. Then why wouldn't you just put meat on your pizza? I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no answer for that one. All right, guys. Name that player. Here's the first player. I was the only wide receiver to finish in the top 25, despite not seeing a combined 100 targets and or touches. Oh. All right. Next hint. I posted 646 yards and eight touchdowns over the final eight games of the season. Yet some say I'm not the same. Taylor Gabriel. Nope. I've scored 67 touchdowns since 2010, which is five more than any other player. Um, wow. I have a brand. It's called Throw Up the X. <laughs> this is like the last show we yeah. gave us so many clues and I just couldn't get it until the end. I I am number 88. What in the world? Is it Des Bryant? Yes. Woo! Oh, you guys are slacking well, on this one. That was horrible. <laughs> I, I thought I thought for sure you guys would get it when I said the 67 touchdowns since 2010. Oh, yeah. yeah. What in the world? I mean, I'm I'm sitting here like trying to think about people like right on the edge of 20 to 25 and Des Bryant didn't even cross my mind. So I just had like a blockade in my mind during that. I was I was sure he saw 100 targets, but you're right. Yeah, he was at 95 targets. Wow. All right, so no cheating on this going forward, you two. I feel All like right. that shouldn't even count for a point so for me. I I'm feel gonna terrible have, about it. I'm going to have an additional bonus question. I had this ready in case you guys 
slapped. <laughs> but uh, so so Bobby's up one nothing right now. Okay. Here's the number two player. Number two, I was the only player to score fewer than six touchdowns, but finished top twelve at my position. Now this is between running back and wide receiver. That's what it's narrowed down to. I was the only player to score fewer than six touchdowns, but finished top twelve at my position. Uh, Jarvis Landry. Nope. I scored just nine points in the red zone, yet finished as a top twelve wide receiver. Julio Jones. Nope. I was third on my team in red zone targets. Amari Cooper. You got it. Amari Cooper is the answer. Amari Cooper is the only player to finish top twelve at his position between running back and wide receiver without scoring at least six touchdowns he crossed my mind but i thought there's no way he was top 12 he was like is this like number 12 customized scoring or something no it's standard scoring get out of here um (laughs) he he was uh so he was the number 12 wide receiver i think he was even higher in ppr but he uh my last hint was that he was he's 22 years old he's still just 22 years old for a couple more weeks so um, is he still your dynasty 101 yeah. I, know, I, I, I struggle with that, but Amari Cooper is I, I, like the only the only players that I would take over him. Odell Beckham, I would take over him. Uh, I would debate Antonio Brown and Julio Jones. Um, I actually think Michael I would Crabtree. take Brown and Jones over him, um, mm-hmm. but it's very, very, very close. Like he's my number four receiver, like clear cut. Wow, man. I, I don't know. Dynasty. That makes sense. He's so young and he's got he's got car. He's going to be so good. So good. Crabs, he's going to outscore him again this year. No, I, I'll take a bet on that. I'm so glad to hear I'm you not, say that. I'm not doing you can that. Come no. on any show that you want <laughs> if you're going to talk trash on Amari Cooper. So, so listen to no, real quick. Listen to this. Uh, so, like the red zone thing, C- Michael Crabtree's uh, yardage on touchdowns scored last season two from two yards out, two yards out, three yards out, five yards out, uh, 13, 13, 21, and two. And then for wow. Amari Cooper, it's 32 yards out, 34 yards out, 35, 37, and 64. Yeah, buddy. Whoa. So it's like that. So there's is there's truth to the fact, but the thing is, is they haven't the Raiders haven't used Amari Cooper in the red zone. That's the concern and why it's hard to say that regression, this and that. But even if Amari Cooper was just average on his 15 red zone targets that he got last year, even if he was just average, he would have finished as the number nine wide receiver. So for me, that's good. Amari Cooper. There is room for growth. I have an article coming on him actually this week. So stay tuned for that. Um, but we are tied one one right now. So we have the third and final question, guys. Let's name that player the last one. I was the number four running back through 10 weeks of the season last year, but was the number 27 running back for the remainder of the season. Nope. I averaged just three and a half yards per carry over the final six games, while my backup averaged five yards per carry and scored three more touchdowns than I did. Matt Forte. (laughs) Oh, no. It's uh, LeSean McCoy. LeSean McCoy. Nope. What? Oh, that's a good guess, too. I'm being drafted as a top eight running back. Devonta Freeman. Nope. Ugh. I was very bad in Chip Kelly's offense. Carlos Hatton? Because that's not true. <laughs> no, he was, he was really good. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, I Ryan w- Matthews. Nope. Oh I, wear number tw- I wear number 29. That's not going to help me. Yeah. I don't know numbers and stuff, man. I play for the Titans. Oh, DeMarco Murray. Wow, we suck. Yes. <laughs> that yes. was horrible. If we, if we could get a booing this whole segment out of the show, it's so can we get a booing audience like instead of a cheering one for you guys? Like <laughs> I, I, I'm booing you guys right now. Um, but no, I love this show was, because you were trying to trick us, though, man. Those were tricky. 
but not well that's the thing is like it needs to be tough otherwise you'd get it on the first one it's like i think it's very yeah. it makes you knowledgeable while listening and i think it, it, it encourages the audience to participate because i know me if i'm in my podcast listening to the show i would have been like oh it's demarco murray because he was awful over the final six weeks uh while, <laughs> yeah. while, while derrick henry was really really good um but that was fun scott i i bobby wins uh now, now you guys know wait, my wait, terrible wait. secret and that i'm atrocious on my feed i'm i'm the least clutch <laughs> fantasy analyst out there but well it doesn't matter when you have the research that at your fingertips that you do yeah, so right. scott i want you to explain a little bit before we go into our hot takes well, what was the uh, bonus question well the bo- i don't want to give that away because i'm, I'm going to use that for a different show oh, because okay, i don't want to give cool. that one away because like i i wanted to make I mean, sure i just want to redeem myself so bad like, I, I I won, but i just feel dirty well, if your hot takes are actually good takes, then you'll They're redeem awesome. yourself. If not, then I'm just going to throw this entire episode for Bobby in the garbage. <laughs> but So, Scott, I want to give you a second here. Let's talk about your actual opportunity series. You want to give our audience a brief overview of what it actually is and why, it's actually, why it should be relevant to the fantasy player. Yeah, so every time I'm on a podcast and someone asks me to describe it, I feel like I uh, change it up. Like, it's completely different every single time. But, uh, yeah, just read the article. I'll explain it really succinctly in that, but uh, pretty much it's, it's, I'm building out expected fantasy points. Uh, so for receivers, I look at each target, at each line of scrimmage, at each depth of target. And then for running backs, I look at each carry on each line of scrimmage at, uh, by each down and distance. So, so what this does is I can look at on a data sample of 10 years, I can look at every single target that where a quarterback drops back from the 50-yard line and throws it exactly 12 yards through the air. And then on that, I build out expected fantasy points from that sample. So let's say we can expect a receiver to score Uh, 1.9 points on that, right? Or 2.3, whatever it is. And then for a carry, it's the same thing. Like a carry on the one-yard line down a distance, third and one, is worth 3.8 fantasy points. And just build out this expected fantasy points total to give us a player's actual opportunity, the worth of his actual opportunity all last season. And I just compare players based on that. I could also look at efficiency, uh, how many fantasy points he scored over or under expectation. But really, I think the big takeaway is we finally now can uh, determine how valuable a player's role is. Like who had the better role last year, David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell? That's the huge debate. Now we know by looking at red zone carries, goal line carries, end zone targets, red zone targets, uh, air yards, all this stuff. And, and I think it's just like a really good way of, uh, you know, finally measuring something that we've been trying to figure out for a while now. I also like the implications of how this works from team to team. You can see how teams like to use their running backs. So say that the Oakland Raiders go and get Marshawn Lynch, right? We can see how they like to use their running backs and what Marshawn Lynch is actual opportunities are going to be there. exactly so that, that's going to be the next uh series i do on it i already dropped the series uh but the next one's going to be breaking it down by team and, and coaching tendencies no that's awesome i i did a i did an article this this off season basically on coaching changes and what it means to fantasy players and whether it's an offensive coordinator whether it's a whole new staff whatever the case is so i really can appreciate this i do something similar in spreadsheets but it's not down to the every single play like scott's doing so scott what i want to do is i want to get a few players that stood out to you that in your study there who are a couple players like even if you give us just uh, one running back one wide receiver who stood out to you as better than you would have thought and who stood out as worse than you would have thought um 
So I'll just talk a little bit on running backs because I think that was the most interesting was Le'Veon Bell just had the most valuable fantasy role of the past decade on a per game basis. Yeah. And then over the course of a full season, David Johnson had the most valuable fantasy role by any player, any position. So Le'Veon Bell ranked a little bit higher in per game on a per game basis, but really they were both first best and second best of the past decade. And that I, this is all by uh, PPR, by the way. I know you're a big standard guy, Mike. Oh, no, I, I like PPR. We actually, it's funny. We'll have an episode later in the week. Where we're going to argue with Jake Seeley about it because he tries to tell me that uh, standard is better. And I like PPR. I think it's more predictive. Yeah, me too. I, you know, touchdowns are super random. So it kind of takes that aspect out a little bit. I also like point per first down. I think that's a fun change to that. But yeah, pretty much the takeaway, these guys had uh, this insane role. Uh, the most at any position this past decade. Uh, a guy who stood out there was Melvin Gordon. He ranked third best. And then a guy who kind of disappointed, I thought, was Ezekiel Elliott. He ranked fifth best. And what happened there was he was kind of hurt a little bit by how efficient he was. Uh, he ranked outside the top 10 and carries inside the 5, 10, 20 yard lines per game. But he made up for it by being insanely efficient. He had the most... Uh, uh, the highest uh, touchdown rate uh, within the red zone. Uh, you know, his yards per carry was fantastic running behind that offensive line. But the big thing that hurt him was just lack of targets. Um, so I, I, he had, he was the fifth most efficient running back in terms of this metric this past decade. And then uh, since 2006, there have been 46 different instances of a running back posting an average of more than 18.5 fantasy points per game. Elliott was one of only two running backs to do that on fewer than three targets per game. The other was D'Angelo Williams' 20 touchdown season in 2008. So it just shows you how important targets are for running backs in PPR leagues. But I think he makes up for that this year with uh, Lance Dunbar leaving for Los Angeles. Yeah, it definitely helps because Darren McFadden is not really I mean, he's he's basically the clear cut backup and Alfred Morris is just Alfred Morris at this point. Mm-hmm. I think that Ezekiel Elliott, if my like I'm, I just pulled up my spreadsheet while you were talking about it, Ezekiel Elliott is the only running back that I have who scored three rushing touchdowns from outside the red zone. So he had three touchdowns of longer than 20 yards. He yeah. was the only one that I have here that did that. So um, that's obviously pretty neat. Uh, who are some, so Ezekiel Elliott, but what about like borderline players? Like I'm curious about like the guys like Allen Robinson. I know he had a historically bad season last year, like in terms of efficiency numbers in that Marquise Lee basically saw less targets, but was more productive. At what point, Scott, do we say talent, matters that maybe a player had a down year like do you take any solace in that or are you stuck on the fact that the efficiency numbers do matter because he's had like the the both sides of it right in in his uh in 2015 he was like the high end of efficiency numbers with his touchdowns last year he was like the low end of efficiency on almost everything so where do you stand when there's such a divide on a player like Allen robinson so I'm so glad you you asked this question. This is awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm totally in the volume is king camp. Uh, that's why I came up with actual opportunity because we realize how important it is, and it's so much stickier than efficiency stats. But actually, something I'm working on that should be dropping next week or the week after. Um, efficiency is actually kind of underrated at this point. A lot of guys have done correlation studies on efficiency, but they're looking at it the wrong way. The middle bulk of all efficiency statistics is pretty much irrelevant. What you want to look at is the polar ends. So guys ranking really highly or really lowly in efficiency, those guys 
Um, their, their efficiency numbers are really sticky. And it's also super predictive the next season for projecting volume. And because Allen Robinson was so, so inefficient last season, he had uh, one of the bottom 10 worst ever seasons in terms of depth adjusted yards per target. Uh, he ranks lowly in drop rate, uh, um, wide receiver rating, um, among a few other things. And because he ranks so lowly, you know, of of course, two years ago, he was very efficient in the red zone, among other things. But because he ranks so lowly, I'm, you know, I'm really nervous. I think target volume drops. And there's there's multiple reasons to think that outside of just the poor efficiency. We see uh, it looks like the team understands that what happened in the passing game last year wasn't working. They went out and drafted a running back number four overall. I think they're going to run the ball a lot. And, and he's a guy who has really subsisted on garbage time production. No wide receiver has scored a higher percentage of their fantasy points by tr- when trailing by seven or more points over the past three seasons. Guess what? That defense got better. So, you know, less garbage time, less garbage time production. And then, like you said, Marquise Lee just completely outproduced him. And then uh, just my final point, you know, Marquise Lee had more yards from scrimmage on, I think, like 30 fewer targets. And and so just the, a final point is, when looking at a presumed wide receiver one, I like seeing production against, you know, elite top cornerbacks. So um, throughout his career, he has 60 targets against top 20 graded cornerbacks by PFF. And on those 60 targets, he's caught just 20 for 193 yards and one touchdown. Among 116 wide receivers over the past decade to see at least 40 such targets, Robinson ranks second worst on a fantasy point per target basis. Wow. That's that's tough, man. That's tough to combat. It really is. Man, you guys are scaring me off on Allen Robinson. I was so pumped about him bouncing back, and now I'm really worried. Scott, I'm wondering how high you'd be willing to take him. Is he still a, a top four-round player for you, or does he drop back for you? Uh, he's outside of my top 50, and, and I got a lot of heat wow. for that when I dropped my rankings. He, there's there's no worse player in dynasty leagues right now, in my opinion. His ADP has him as the number 11 overall player. And then in redraft leagues, he's the number 14 wide receiver. I have him well below that. He's he's a guy, you know, if he's a wide receiver one again next season, that's just a hill I'm going to die on. But uh, I really don't think that's going to be the case. And why am I drafting a guy way closer to his 2015 price tag when we just saw 2016 was abysmal he finished 34th among wide receivers on a fantasy point per game basis and he's he's getting drafted three rounds before that so he's just not a guy i'm excited about yeah i'm a little shocked in that too i just wanted to chime in because i'm a little shocked because i had alan robinson in the dynasty league that i the earlier this offseason i didn't realize that his value wouldn't go down um, because the the trade revolved around me sending away Allen Robinson and me getting in return Amari Cooper, and a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people thought I lost the trade because what? I gave up I gave up some a little bit more on top of Allen Robinson, but it just goes to show how high people still are on Allen Robinson, how they're gravitating towards his 2015 season. I'm still a fan. Like I still think the talents there when I watch him, you know, like uh, Matt Harmon and his reception perception stuff, Allen Robinson is still a, a phenomenal route runner. And you know, he had mental errors last year. So I think, I think there's somewhere in between. I think that they need to figure out the quarterback situation before anything. Uh, I think that Blake Bortles is to blame. Like where when you don't see consistent targets over and over and over again, it's hard to get in any sort of a rhythm as a wide receiver. So I think there's a there's a middle ground with Allen Robinson, but I would not draft him in the second round, which is where he's basically going right now. So yeah, Bobby, what's where are you at on Allen Robinson right now? 
Well, I mean, I drafted him in our, in our expert dynasty league. So, um, but you know, he did drop all the way to 34 at that spot. So I was happy to grab him in that range. With that being said, I wouldn't do it again based on what Scott just told me. You, you really sold me on this. I mean, he was going, what, 9 or 10 at this point last year. So that's a, a pretty substantial drop off. And I didn't have him until 15 or 16. But I mean, I feel like dropping to 34 is is a decent deal on him. No, yeah, you you get a nice little bargain there. The ADP I signed him, well. had him in the first round. Yeah, uh, if there's one caveat I could put on this is is something that I don't think anyone's talking about really, and they should. Um, Adam Schefter tweeted out in January that Blake Bortles played the season with two shoulder separations and wrist tendonitis. Oh. That's huge. So, you know, like maybe Blake Bortles takes a leap. This He wasn't exactly efficient two seasons ago either, but uh, maybe he does take, gets healthy, takes a leap and, and that helps Robinson. But he was also a rookie. They were also playing in a bunch of nickel and dime packages because they were behind by so much. They had no running back. I think things are going to go a lot better for Jacksonville's offense. And I hadn't seen that report by Schefter that uh, that makes me quite a bit more confident in some of these Jaguars pieces. Yeah, that's 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 different. I didn't I didn't hear that one on on Bortles, but again, he didn't really impress me in 2015 either. It was so a lot of garbage like a top time 20 stuff. Twenty quarterback now. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Now he's barely <laughs> there. Um, all right, so Scott, let's get into the hot takes portion. Um, <laughs> we're gonna start it off with you. We're each gonna give a player like one that we're higher on and one that we're lower, almost like one breakout and one bust. And it, it could be anything like last year. I remember I did something for PFF that was, I, I predicted one of my bold predictions was that Kobe Fleener would outscore Jordan Reed. Another one was that Le'Veon Bell, despite missing, despite being suspended for the first three games that would finish as the number one running back. And I was really close to that one. Like Le'Veon Bell didn't disappoint me at all, but Kobe yeah. Fleener, I don't even want to talk about it. Um, but, <laughs> but Scott, let's, let's talk about um, some of your hot takes right now. Like who's a player that you predict like to be much better than people think right now uh this guy's kind of getting picked up a little bit but uh when i wrote this down in one of my articles he was going as wide receiver 41 in mfl 10s which i thought was you know ridiculous because i have him like 20 spots higher higher and that's uh pierre garçon who had there we go the second easiest schedule for outside wide receivers this season Per my data, what I came up with was, was top five in postseason playoff, uh, postseason schedule as well, uh, and really it just goes back to my love for Kyle Shanahan, who I I adore and I think he's one of the smartest minds in football, and I don't think it's close outside of you know guys like Belichick. But so since Kyle Shanahan's first offensive coordinator job, which was 2008, Kyle Shanahan's wide receiver one that's Andre Johnson twice, Santana Moss, Jabbar Gaffney, Pierre Garcon twice, Andrew Hawkins, and Julio Jones twice. Shanahan's wide receiver one has averaged 16.5 fantasy points per game, which would have ranked ninth best at the position last season. Uh, the la- everyone knows the stat, but last time Garcon played with Kyle Shanahan, he led the league in receptions, ranked 11th in fantasy points, super easy strength of schedule, limited target competition. Uh, I have him well above his current ADP, and, and I'm a big fan of his. Me too. Yeah, I'm... I- I'm right there with Garcon. Like he, he's someone that it, it was actually lower than wide receiver 41 for a long time, Scott. And like, I, I was shocked at it because I wrote it right after he signed with them. And I think at that time he was the wide receiver 58 
And um, I said it was a joke because I actually think that he's going to finish as a top 30 wide receiver. Now, it's difficult to rank him higher than that just because you don't know the upside at his age in this offense. Like, that's the difficult part is, like, how many scoring opportunities is he going to have? Like, he might end up the year with three or four touchdowns. That doesn't mean he can't finish with 1,000 yards because I think he's a lock for 125 targets. And if you get that many targets, you're almost locked into, you know, top 30 numbers. So I love it. Um, so, so basically, where are you planning your flag here is the hot take. Are you going to say Pierre Garçon is going to be a top 20? Or like, where are you at with that? Uh, give me top 15. Ooh, top 15. That's, that is that is bold. That was almost like me last year with Torrey Smith. And well, I didn't, that didn't really happen. So me uh, with I, Kevin White. <laughs> I live with that take. I live with that take and I'm okay with it. I think that the... The, the thought behind it was right. Um, I'm not going to draft him top 15. Let me just get, let me get that straight. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, no. Right, right. No. Yeah. I've I got Garcon ranked ahead of Julian Edelman and ahead of Tyreek Hill. Wow. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm with you. Wow. I mean, I could see, I, I definitely can see above Julian Edelman. I think people are kind of overestimating Julian Edelman this year um, and what they're doing. Uh, Bobby, what's your hot take? Who's a player that you're higher on? It's Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins is going to finish as the number four wide receiver this year. This is the first time in his entire career we've heard that his foot is healthy. This is the best wide receiver prospect to come out of the draft since Julio Jones. And we haven't seen the best of him yet. I mean, you said it, Tags. In his last 15 games with Tyrod Taylor, 1,284 yards and 10 touchdowns. To give you an idea, Odell had 1,297 and 10 touchdowns in his last 15 games. Watkins is still 23 years old. It's insane. Uh, Sammy Watkins is like he's a he's a buy in dynasty right now. And he's a he's someone that I also I, like. It's funny. I've been working on these these profiles, these player profiles, and they're going to be coming out in the as the weeks lead up to the season too. like I'm going to I'm pretty sure I'm going to write up every single player because I just that's what I do. It's just I want to talk about these players and why I like them, why I don't. Sammy Watkins is someone that I love um, and I love Tyrod Taylor, too. I think that that's kind of I don't know how Tyrod Taylor continues to be drafted where he is. Is. like he's in Agreed. ECR right now I think he's he's the QB 16 somehow in MFL 10s he's like the QB 17 I think it's a joke I mean the guy was throwing to Marquise Goodwin uh Robert Woods you know this in uh, who else Walt Powell is that who he was throwing to last year so and this guy still on a point per game basis finished as the number six quarterback I want to say and yet yep. the Bills you know people want to talk about him possibly being benched in this and that the Bills are are, are dumb if they really believe that Sammy Watkins and Tyrod Taylor are not the strengths of this offense, Zay Jones, even if Jeremy Macklin signs, it should help detract some attention from Sammy Watkins because he's really been the only show in town for the last couple of years. So I like Sammy Watkins. Scott, where are you at on Watkins? Do you think that, that, that this could happen as a number four wide receiver? Uh, first of all, amazing Tyrod take. I'm 100% with you. I love Sammy too, but I, I always reference in my articles when I hype him up that he's a guy I've just been consistently wrong on year over year. And I think I just love him and, and don't don't really factor in the injury risk as much as I should. Um, but yeah, I, I ranked him super high in my rankings. I got kind of a little bit of heat for it. Uh, he was surprisingly efficient last season. No one really realizes it, but he ranked top 20 in yards per route run. Uh, and then his he was number one two years ago. Yeah, and his 2015 season was arguably one of the most efficient seasons ever by a sophomore wide receiver. Adam Harstead wrote a really great piece for PFR uh, on that. And uh, and yeah, I mean, it, we'll, we'll see if Jeremy Macklin comes, but there's limited target competition. Uh, I think a big thing that a lot of people aren't really factoring in is 
the uh, exit of Rex Ryan is is huge for this offense. Yeah. Uh, so the new offensive Good coordinator, point. I know you've already done this research, Mike, so apologies for repeating, but Rick Dennison's going to be the new OC. Um, so throughout his uh, career uh, in the league as an offensive coordinator, his teams run the ball 43.3% of the time, which is right around league average, 41.1%. But uh, Rex Ryan's offenses were historically – some of the highest 49.2%. So they should throw the, throw the ball a little bit more and, and uh, yeah, no one's debating Watkins talent if he's healthy. That's awesome. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about him. He's a player that like, if I take in the third round, I'm excited because he could be a first yeah. rounder next year. If he stays healthy on the field for 16 games, I'm pretty sure that I'd be willing to draft him as a top 10 I'd wide take receiver 12 games. I'd take 12 games from Sammy Watkins and be thrilled. Yeah, I mean, if you could do that, that's great. And it's funny because like the Sammy Watkins with Tyrod Taylor, the the stat that I referenced, it was back a few weeks ago in regards to the what you mentioned, Bobby. I actually missed the one game that they benched Tyrod Taylor in week 17 last year. So I subtracted that. And the numbers look even better. <laughs> like it's it's kind of a it's it's insane what him and Tyrod Taylor have done together. So I'm I'm excited to see that kind of take place. Um, so basically he's better than Odell Beckham. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm just um, no, definitely not saying that. I'm not willing to take away targets from Odell Beckham in order to give Brandon Marshall some. That's just not happening. Um, yeah. But but my hot take would be that Devin Funchess outscores Kelvin Benjamin. And um, wow, if if you were to remove, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do my best to give you the reasoning for this. If you were to remove the first two weeks of the season last year, where Kelvin Benjamin had two really good games. Outside of those, it, we're removing the two weeks for everybody. So if like, let's say the season started in week three, Calvin Benjamin would have been the number 39 wide receiver in fantasy. And that's despite seeing 94 targets in that span. He's looked at as a touchdown scorer. He only scored four touchdowns over the final 12 game or the final 14 games. Devin Funches over his career has scored nine touchdowns on 121 targets. Now, granted, he Whoa. hasn't been, he hasn't been the, the man in town. He's been, you know, it's like 58 and 63 targets is, is the two seasons, how they're split up my take on this is that Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel are going to eat up a lot of short game work like Samuel is going to be used as a running back sometimes he's going to be used as a slot receiver some people have projected him for the Ted Ginn role I'm not ready to say that because if you've noticed with Funchess they spent a second round pick on him and he didn't really see the targets or the snaps until I mean you could even argue until this year he was a part-time player he was playing behind Philly Brown he was playing behind Ted Ginn so for me I think Christian McCaffrey is splits time carrying the ball with Jonathan Stewart. I think he splits time with with uh, uh, Curtis Samuel catching the ball basically as a slot receiver. Kelvin Benjamin is lost in the translation here because Kelvin Benjamin is not really a possession receiver. I wouldn't classify I, – I, when I think possession receivers, I think guys that you're going to throw to all the time on third down that you could depend on that are like – they're route runners. Like an Amari Cooper is a possession-style receiver that can – you can trust. Anquan Bolden was that guy. Kelvin Benjamin's not. He's not a deep threat because he's slow and he's big. We all know that. He's just, he's caught in this middle where Kelvin Benjamin may not fit in this offense anymore. If you're, if you're depending on Kelvin Benjamin, it's because you're looking for eight to 10 touchdowns. And if you want to make an argument for that, I could see that. But for me, Devin Funches was a guy that last year, his average depth of target ranked 19th in the NFL among wide receivers with 50 or more targets but his average reception ranked seventh among them. So he was much better with his targets that he got. His 15.6 yards per reception to this point in his career is not bad for a guy that's 6'4", 232 pounds. So I think Devin Funches can get it done in the red zone as well. So for me, 
I'm taking the upside play here, like especially considering their ADP. Like Devin Funches is free. Kellen Benjamin's going to cost you maybe a seventh round pick. So um, my hot take is that Devin Funches outscores Kelvin Benjamin. Tags, you aren't going to believe this. I almost made the same exact hot take. You would have been so <laughs> mad if I would have sniped you. The same oh, exact one. I'd have been so mad because I've been all over Funches saying he's a steal in MFL 10s right now. You get him in like the yeah. 15th round every time. You know, I love Curtis Samuel too. Uh, I just think Kelvin Benjamin is, is a do not draft this year. Scott, where are you at on Funches? Uh, yeah, I completely disagree with you guys. Uh, I think Kelvin Benjamin's, you know, uh, pretty big risk, low efficiency. He looked really, really fat. Uh, the last pictures I saw of him, but, uh, yeah, I don't think Funches is particularly good either. And, uh, I do think the offense moves in a different direction, but I don't think it has anything to do with their wide receiver. Who's kind of a tight end. Who's probably not that good yeah I mean it's fair to say that you don't like Funches it's more to me to do with I'm looking for someone with upside outside of Kelvin Benjamin right now because I just don't think that Benjamin gets it done yeah I I, I agree with you but I don't think Funches is the guy I if anything it's um maybe Christian McCaffrey getting 20 touches per game and Greg Olson finishing as a top one or two tight end or probably top three assuming Jordan Reed and Gronk stay healthy oh no Travis Kelsey there huh no, he's a he's a guy uh, I'm not too excited about. Maybe I'll save him for my friend my next one. Yeah, I was about to say let's let's get into our busts. Let's talk about some hot takes about a bust. Who you got there? Okay, so um, yeah, pretty much Travis Kelsey is someone who just really disappointed in terms of volume. Greg Olson was actually the top tight end last season in actual opportunity. Kyle Rudolph outperformed him surprisingly. Um, he was super efficient and he has been super efficient throughout his career. And, you know, I'll give him that, but uh, he's not someone who ever really gets red zone usage. I think Cole Beasley has three more goal line targets, uh, two more end zone targets and like 10 more red zone targets over the past two seasons. Uh, And we noticed with Travis Kelsey, it's this thing where he finished as the top scoring tight end. So he's going to get drafted like he's a top scoring tight end, but this was a really low year for uh, fantasy tight end scoring. I'm struggling to pull up the exact numbers, but um, I think over the past five, yeah. So Travis Kelsey's 13.9 PPR points per game in 2016 would have ranked seventh in 2015, fourth in 2014, sixth in 2013, fifth in 2012, fifth in 2011. And when he's going like not that far off, from a Jordan Reed, not that far off from a Rod Gronkowski. I, I don't think he has any business being there personally. He's just not going to see the volume, even with Jeremy Macklin kind of leaving. Uh, and he's and I'd rather draft Greg Olson. I know that that's kind of a hot take, but uh, Cam Newton just posted one of the least efficient seasons of his career, but the usage was definitely there for Olson. And I think Cam rebounds a little bit. And uh, like I said, I don't like the wide receivers, so. Kelsey here. So here's an interesting fact about Kelsey. So I understand what you're saying about him. And I would have said the same thing before seeing what the offense kind of was as the as the year progressed last year, because the team really changed the way that they did things. Uh, they went from a very tight end heavy team like he, he did rank fourth in red zone targets last year, Travis Kelsey. But seeing him score the four touchdowns, I think that there's some natural re- progression there in his game. But what I noticed when looking at his game logs, he averaged eight point two targets over the final 10 games of the season, which 
which is massively improved because over the first 38 games of his career, he averaged 5.9 targets. So he was entering like almost elite wide receiver territory uh, with with over eight targets per game. The numbers with Macklin, I think Rich Rebar tweeted out something in regards to Travis Kelsey's finishes last year when Macklin was out of the lineup. And I think three of the four games were top two. And then the other one was like the number four tight end. So I'm on the opposite end of Kelsey. I think that there's still room to grow. Um, But at the same time, again, trying to figure out how many people from this Kansas City offense can come forward. And I think I'm just more of a Travis Kelsey believer than I am like a than a Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, you know, I like Travis Kelsey uh, enough to draft him if he falls to me. But, um, you know, I I think this one kind of makes sense. I I don't really like any of the tight ends besides Hunter Henry. (laughs) Um, based on where they're going. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be funny. I mean, there's a reason I keep talking about Hunter Henry's because I think that he can be a superstar in this league. And I feel like every other tight end, except maybe Gronk is being overdrafted, but I don't want to make that big of a risk. And Jordan Reed, I don't want to have that big of a risk. He's got all these concussion issues. Um, and then Travis Kelsey, I think is an obvious regression candidate. So um, I'm just waiting at tight end this year. Kyle Rudolph is going to be there. Jack Doyle. Um, I like both those guys, but yeah, I'm not drafting. Let me be, let me be clear here. I'm not drafting Kelsey in the second round or third round, but I, I mean, talking from a pure projection standpoint, I do, I do like Kyle Rudolph and I love Jack Doyle's, uh, his value in drafts right now is, is stupid good. Um, but Bobby, I know we're running low on time here. You want to give us your bust and then I'll give you mine. My bust is Jamal Williams. And I know this is really going to make Jake Seeley mad, uh, cause he's a big believer, but Uh, Jamal Williams, I do not have him finishing in the top 70 running backs. And the reason why is I think Aaron Jones is the better running back that Green Bay drafted. I know they drafted Williams higher, but if you look at his spark scores, Aaron Jones is a phenomenal athlete. I think he's going to prove himself uh, during training camp and uh, in the preseason. I think he runs away with this job and we're drafting him in the top three rounds this time next year. That's crazy. Now, that is a hot take. Now, I don't think necessarily to say that Jamal Williams falls that far, but that Aaron Jones is going to be that drafted that high next year. Because, I mean, the yeah, the metrics guys are all over this. Like the, the guys that are talking about the spark rating. I was in another podcast not long ago and they asked me about it. And, you know, for every guy, for every guy that breaks out, there's another player like Kiaris Garrett who really didn't. There's another Jeff Janis, you know, like these players that didn't break out. So metrics are like the spark guys, there's something to it, but it's just, it's just like me. You don't want to be the bottom guy in any category. You don't want to, have you watched the film on Aaron Jones? Aaron. Yeah. I mean, I watched, I watched so much rookie stuff this off season that yeah. I, I, I came away more impressed than with Jamal Williams. And I know that the Twitter crowd and, and stuff like that is all over Aaron Jones, but I, I like Jamal Williams, but the, the truth of the matter is that Ty Montgomery might fit with this offense does better right now anyway, and that, that both of them might not be relevant until Ty Montgomery is either demoted or moved or whatever the case is, but yeah. Um, Devontae like Mays Jamal is pretty impressive too. I mean, they got three solid running backs. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that, they, why, that why would they draft both those running backs, right, if they weren't planning on at least using them somewhat? So I'm, I'm curious about it, but I stand by what the Packers did. Their scouting obviously said that Jamal Williams was the better player because there was no guarantee that they were going to get Aaron Jones about 100 picks later or whatever it was. My hot take in terms of a bust is that Cam Newton does not finish as a QB1. Um, so he does not finish as a top 12 quarterback. If you look at the 11 games after Cam Newton played with his concussion, 
In those games, he carried the ball just 61 times for 212 yards, three touchdowns. The Panthers have made it clear they do not want him running the ball as much. They started game planning, not having him run the ball as much. Granted, his, his, his shoulder was affecting his throwing, but that's not going to change what he was doing from a running standpoint. If you took those numbers over those final 11 games and extrapolated them over a 16-game season, you're looking at 89 carries for 308 yards and four touchdowns. To give you a comparison, Blake Bortles and Aaron Rodgers both ran for more yardage last year, and we don't necessarily draft them because they're rushing, they're running quarterbacks. We don't do that. It's just a, a bonus that comes with them. And Cam Newton is simply not a good enough quarterback to throw the ball to get into that wide that quarterback one territory. I've actually backed this one up with my ranking of him, where it's not outside the top twelve, but I actually have him. I think is my QB eleven right now. Me I'm just too. not a I'm just not a big Cam Newton fan um, because. As he gets older, as these injuries pile up, as they draft two running backs, or you could say one running back, whatever, um, as they draft these guys that don't really mix with what Cam Newton's been doing, I have serious, serious concerns about him, and um, I just don't think he's a good enough passer to overcome these these things that are going to go wrong on the other end. So, You know I'm with you, Tags. I- I'm curious where you stand, Scott. Uh, yeah, I think that's a little bold, but, um, you know, if the rushing production, uh, rushing attempts does decline, then I think there's reason to be concerned for sure. And we see that with the drafting of Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, that it appears they want him to kind of, um, you know, instead of maybe using his own legs, just dumping it off to a running back who can gain that extra yardage. That's basically where I'm at in the whole thing. So yeah, no, I, I'm, this was fun. This was fun talking about some hot takes. And I know as the season nears, we're going to have more and more Bobby. Um, I'm excited to share some of those as my projections are finished up and I fine tune them with all the cuts and things like that. So I'm looking forward to it, man. We'll have to do one episode where it's just like all hot takes. I mean, if I had my way on the podcast, every episode would be all hot takes. <laughs> I like them to a certain extent, but at the same time, we have to sometimes be real yeah. in what we're talking about. And like, what's the most realistic outcome? Like Devin Funches, it's not very realistic that he outscores Kelvin Benjamin, but I think that that's actually a possibility. Yeah, there's absolutely a possibility there. I agree. All right, guys. Well, that's all we have for the show today. Really appreciate you guys listening in. Make sure to leave that review and subscribe on iTunes and then send your screenshot to contest at fantasypros.com to enter the Le'Veon bell jersey giveaway sweepstakes thanks for listening and enjoy your football i just wanted you to watch me dissolve